3D printing technology is pushing the limits of customization, bringing ease to surgical planning and making predictable outcomes. If you are a surgeon wanting to make lives better, you are in the right place. Welcome to the Surgeons in 3D Printing podcast. And now, your host, Dr. Ruchi Pathak Cole, to take you on this beautiful journey. This podcast is being sponsored by Reconstructive Healthcare Solutions Private Limited, a consulting and services provider for medical 3D printing in India. We are there in the Indian Institute of Technology, New Delhi. We are a spin-off of research done at All India Institute of Medical Sciences, New Delhi. If you are struggling to make any decision on implementing 3D printing to your clinical practice, department or a hospital setup, connect with us on a call for 30 minutes of free consultation. So, book your call and we will help you overcome your challenge. So, let's start our episode for today. Welcome to the Surgeons in 3D Printing podcast. And today, I have with me Alistair Paketti, fourth-year biomedical student at the University of Glasgow. Alistair presently is the president at Handprints Enable Scotland, which is a part of the Global Enable organization. Now, this is a non-profit organization, and it is run by students. So let's talk to Alistair and get to know what is the work that they do and how are they handling so much? So hi, Alistair. Hello there, Richie. Lovely to see you. Yeah. Thank you very much for the kind introduction. Yeah. So Alistair, you know, we've been in touch for almost, I think, a year and a half or maybe two years. And That's right. I've had a great journey with you. I've, I've had a small project done with you. It is really interesting. But today I really wanted to discuss uh, how you run this entire organization because you're doing a lot of work. And of course, you're using 3D printing. So let's begin uh, with the fact that what is the position you hold and what is the kind of breakup of the organization in terms of different committees and stuff like that so that people know that, you know, this organization is really doing a great work. That's yeah. great. So hi, hi to everybody on the podcast. Um, as you know, I'm the president of Handprints Enable Scotland. And uh, as Richie said, we are a student-led organization at the University of Glasgow, which focuses on the production of 3D printed prosthetics for people of all ages with upper limb deficiencies, uh, but with a particular focus on children. So we've been set up for around four years by uh, four years now, um, all by biomedical engineering students who were interested in this global enable cause. And um, after establishment in the university, we quickly became really, really popular and ambitious society in the James Watt School of Engineering. And as of 2020, engaging up to 130 people both within the university and out with the university on this cause of producing low cost medical devices and prosthetics and empowering people um, throughout Glasgow, throughout uh, the United Kingdom and beyond. So um, currently we have six divisions in the society, wow. four or more. Four, yeah. that's, <laughs> four that's, or more, a, uh, that's a lot of people. <laughs> it is, yeah, that's, that's 130 people all, all there for yeah. you. <laughs> um, but four or, or more focused on um, design projects and the technical aspects of 3D printing and two are more focused on engaging people. We want our cause to be out there and be noticed by people. Um, that's how we continue our legacy through, through the university, through the Enable Network and beyond. Um, so our four more technical divisions 
first of all, you'll know I'm the president, so I oversee it all. I'm, I'm responsible for holding meetings and um, yeah. you'll often see that the president has been in two or three divisions beforehand, so have quite a strong knowledge of, of how the society runs. Um, but for our divisions, the four technical ones, the first one is the prosthetics division, so that's the noble and able cause. So we, that's where we bring in teams of four to five students from a, a wide range of um, disciplines in university, whether that's biomedical engineering, mechanical engineering, sometimes reaching into medicine and other fields as well. Okay. And we address uh, needs by our recipients. So people who come up to us and say, I have or I know of someone with an upper limb deficiency, we would like you to reach out and help to empower this person, help give them back a function which um, they require. And an aspect of their life which which they, they'd like to see. Yeah. And um, it's a really nice feeling being able to look someone in the eye and hand a prosthetic over to them and, and provide that 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 to them. So our prosthetics teams focus on that. Uh, right now we have two recipient projects happening. It normally ticks over throughout the year, which is a really, really um, nice cause to do, particularly throughout the pandemic and things like that. So that's our prosthetics teams. That's a noble cause and enable. Uh, but yeah. as students, we're, we're ambitious as always at Glasgow University yeah. um, and we want to expand that cause further and that's why we have other divisions. So one of our other technical divisions is the outreach division. So we want, they want to use um, innovative techniques in 3D printing and CAD modelling and design to produce medical devices which help in a wide variety of areas. So right now we have projects in uh, flexible braille learning tiles for children in primary schools. Um, our outreach division last year collaborated with the Queen Elizabeth University Hospital uh, Spinal Injuries Unit in wow. partnership with Glasgow University as well to That's produce. That's amazing. That's amazing. It was a really interesting wow. project. Yeah. It's come on leaps and bounds since and it's, it's, um, it makes me really proud. <laughs> it makes me blush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so they, they developed uh, motor rehabilitation devices um, to help people hold things with handles, like toothbrushes and, and hairbrushes better. Um, and that's been a brilliant wee project. So that's our outreach uh, in a nutshell. A couple more projects in the past, but in the past year, it's, it's been really focused on um, a wide variety of, of uh, recipients throughout rehabilitation and yeah. you know, learning and things like that. We then have our technicians division, which um, people like to say is, is my wee baby <laughs> from um, the past couple of years. Um, the technicians we like to think of as being the backbone of the society. Oh, the yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. And I think I, I, when I met you for the first time, I think you were leading the division. And so, Trinity, I mean, yeah, yeah it yeah. was interesting. So I, had, I had the great privilege of um, transferring the, the 3D printing technician role, which was just a solitary role in the society, uh, to a shared role and create a new, a new division called the technicians um, mm -hmm. in the past year, which was really needed because previously or before the pandemic, all of our 3D printers were centered in one room in the university, but we had to spread that role out so we could continue our 3D printing effort remotely. Um, it was really good to rely on committee members to do that 3D printing, but coming into that role last year, I wanted to spread that experience about um, and, and help people engage in the cause and enable it at the same time, gain some really interesting skills in 3D printing and hand assembly. So that's, that's the technicians team in a nutshell. Um, Really, really good cause, really good fun. I've met so many uh, interesting people and technicians. Yeah. And um, one of my good friends from the team last year is leading it this year, who uh, I think will do an absolutely brilliant job. So uh, our last division, which is more technical, is the myoelectrics division, which mm -hmm. is very, very up and coming in the field of prosthetics. So obviously that focuses on the, um, the control of an arm through um, neural signals in our patient's residual limb. And... Um, 
right now the myoelectric team have focused on uh, different techniques for CAD modeling, branching into aspects of um, electronics and programming and trying to scale that down so it can be fitted onto a prosthetic arm. Um, so it's a really interesting cause and what's good about that as well is because there's so many um, interesting prosthetic hubs throughout Europe, throughout Britain who focus on myoelectrics. It gives us a really, really interesting network to connect with people. Um, people like in Salford University, for example, in Strathclyde University. So on top Amazing. of the fantastic Enable network we have, we also have a brilliant opportunity to connect with people in the industry, people, medical yeah. professionals as well, like yourself. Yeah. Um, and as students in biomedical engineering and beyond, it's a really, really um, interesting opportunity to see um, at this early stage in our careers. So they're the four technician, the four technical divisions of our society. The other two um, focus on, first of all, the education divisions. Mm -hmm. So they are, um, they often reach out to primary schools, to high schools and spread our cause beyond. And that's really good because we're passionate about what we do as biomedical yeah. engineers, as members of the Enable community. And we want to engage people um, in the younger years. And if I were sitting there and seeing a prosthetic hand held up to me, I would think, wow, look, look at that. That's, that's right there for me to see. Um, I'd certainly think of it as being, as being engaging, but um, that's the education team. But again, they've branched out throughout the pandemic onto uh, online lessons as well, planning some lessons in coding for primary schools. And uh, again, whatever comes our way, we always try and work our way around it. We're engineers um, and we go beyond that scope as well. And um, always look for a way to promote our cause and enable cause. And the education division is one of the really, really noble efforts which does so. And last but not least, we have the media and publicity division. So it's came on absolutely leaps and bounds over the past few years, just with um, being online and things like that and having to promote uh, things remotely. But um, that is our main hub for gaining new contacts as well. Uh, and a really good way to promote our cause, both within the Enable community and to people in engineering, people in the university. Um, and the media publicity have been absolutely brilliant over the past year and will continue wow. to do so with, with the next coordinator in media. So. That, that's our divisions in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's, that's huge. I mean, you're engaging a lot of students there. And this is something uh, really, I mean, I was inspired to see that you guys, you're all young students. I mean, somebody was second year, somebody was third year, final year. Yeah. So you're just beginning your career. You haven't even completed. I mean, a lot of students who were engaged, they hadn't even completed their uh, you know, um, their masters, their bachelors, and they were all engaged in the community. And this was something really inspiring for me because uh, we took it to, as a clinician, I would say, I myself took up 3D printing quite late. And having said that, if people are doing it right from there, you know, the portion where their career is developing through that process, it's, yeah. it's such a lot of learning and it's such a lot of engaging with people across, you know, different uh, communities and different sectors. So yeah. that was something really interesting to watch there. Uh, so I really enjoyed my part, whatever time I spent with you. It was yeah. really inspiring for me to see Thank you young you. guys, you know, doing so much for the community. <laughs> exactly. So with that, I'd like to ask you, what are the kind of projects you pick and how do you choose, you know, because these are all medical devices, right? Mm -hmm. Prosthetics comes under medical device. So, I mean, are there no regulatories with that? Do you find difficulties with that? How do you manage that aspect? Okay, so this is a benefit of being a part of an organization which has been set up beforehand. Um, so it was actually set up by a good friend of ours, John Shule in America, and um, some of his colleagues who've had 
fantastic experience in the medical fields, as well as a, a group of engineers who have developed the prosthetics. So with it being all open source, we have access to these medically approved prosthetics, as okay. do all the other hubs in, across the world. But when it comes to medical devices, that's when it's um, a little more down to us, a little more self-driven. And mm -hmm. that's why we love to get in touch with people like yourself in the medical uh, profession, people in, for example, the Spinal Injuries Unit in the Queen Elizabeth Hospital. That way we have an insight into the standards in medical device production, but at the same time combine that with our skills in CAD modeling and 3D printing uh, and our knowledge of, for example, different filament types for the appropriate medical device production so that we can produce a device which not only restores function or helps someone in any aspect of life, but at the same time is safe for them to use. Yeah. So it's, it's a balance there with the enable aspect. We have the regulations there and the mm -hmm. discretion with that. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to our own projects, that's when we have to often look out for help. But at the same time, engages us so much with so many interesting people in engineering and beyond. Yeah. I'm wondering, how do you find time with, you know, your regular work? I mean, you, you're doing, you're in the fourth year of your uh, medical, uh, you know, biomedical engineering, and that's not like a cakewalk. I understand that. Yeah. And with that, how do you manage to find this time? This is amazing. And not only you, but your 126 students. I mean, how, how is everybody managing their time? This is just amazing. So yeah. my next question to you is uh, that, how do you decide to put in which students onto which department? Is it their uh, their own discretion of choosing one department or is it you as, you know, different heads of different committees? So how do you do that? Yeah, so as I, I described the divisions there, um, each division is, is led by a single person mm -hmm. uh, who is elected at the beginning or the end of every academic session. So normally April, May time. Um, but what we do is we normally continue efforts throughout the summer. Uh, if we're keen, we do establish some more projects, particularly in the recipients division or the prosthetics division. Uh, but when it comes to September time, that's when we have our opportunity to engage people. So we go to our freshers fair in the university, we engage through social media. And um, we, we say to people, well, the world is your oyster with this. Remember, you're an engineer and you are studying by the book there, but this is an opportunity to take you away from that and put your things into practice. Yeah. And that's for once what I think engages so many people is because you're using your skills for a greater cause, um, but at the same time, taking yourself away from all the book learning, which I think most, most engineering yeah. students would quite like. Um, but when it comes to that, we have an applications, um, our selection process around September, October and we fire uh, an application form out to normally most engineering cohorts in the University of Glasgow, sometimes beyond as well. And um, what's amazing that each year we just see the numbers of division applications creeping up. So I think last year it was 67 people um, from university, which is phenomenal and across yeah. a lot of different uh, disciplines, whether that's engineering or medicine and beyond. And um, we normally have quite a big general member cohort. So people that we that generally just like to engage in um, seeing what we do in the background, people who maybe want to break into the cause in the next, the year after they become a general member, but the division member applications are the, the people who we look for, you know, who are passionate about the cause, who really want to help some other, uh, some people who, um, who are in need of a prosthetic device or beyond, mm -hmm. and um, that's an opportunity for people to show what they represent and what they want to do with us, um, and that's ultimately how we source our talent, but there are occasions where uh, we are approached by people who are looking for projects who are uh, midway through their year and um, really want to engage with us and that's that's equally brilliant because it's, it's yeah. an example of us engaging with people in our community and engineering yeah. and um, but in terms of applications normally every September and um, 
look out for our social media posts <laughs> for yeah. external member applications and member applications. Well, uh, with what you said, I think what took me back was that uh, it is for students doing something which is, you know, using your skills for something which is higher than what you're doing. So, I mean, I, I love that because I think in your life, in every, each one, each one should do something which is more than what you're really capable of. And that's how you can do it, you know, through community efforts, through collaborations and stuff like that. Well, that sure. was amazing. Um, next, I'd like to ask you that... Uh, how do you how do you engage with people who are not students? I mean, is it only a student-led organization? Do you have people out of you know the student uh, platform, or is it just a student-led organization? So this is a benefit as again I've been an enable organization. We need to remember that even though we are student-led at the University of Glasgow, there could be a hub in say France or the Netherlands who are led by actual engineers or people in the medical profession. Mm -hmm. That is a really good sort of two-way platform there because we can engage with people and enable, but at the same time, okay. that's how we gain some external contacts. Mm -hmm. um, of course, we get the, the odd very keen person like yourself wanting to engage in, in our prosthetics cause. And yeah. that's equally great because I'm, you know, I'm 20 years old and I'd never think of engaging with a maxillofacial surgeon yeah. or something like that. So um, normally through the enable, the enable network, we gain external contacts and it's normally mm -hmm. around 10% of our full membership is dedicated mm -hmm. to external contacts. Um, and it's really nice to see that that one vision, that one cause shared amongst people through Enable, but it doesn't matter if you're going through your engineering degree just now or whether you're 40 years into your engineering degree. Uh, it's just really nice to see people from different backgrounds, different places yeah. of the globe coming together for that one cause. Yeah, that's amazing. So my next question is like, you know, how do you uh, plan to buy material? Where do you get funds from? And what are the kind of printers you have? How have you set up yep. all of that? Yeah, so it's... It's gradually grown over the past three or four years. Uh, mm -hmm. We normally find each year we do happen to gain another printer, often by donation. As we said at the beginning, it's entirely non-profit, so we don't expect any money from our recipients or from our end users whatsoever. So we rely on fundraising through um, charitable efforts. So um, I believe one of our previous members done a, a short marathon. We've done a walking challenge with a fellow University of Glasgow Society um, throughout the pandemic and with within wow. COVID regulations. <laughs> um, so we are flexible with it, uh, but we really enjoy doing charitable causes um, because, again, it's another opportunity for us to get our cause out there to not only the engineering community, but to the public and um, a really, really good way to, to keep fit or, or just take ourselves away from studies. Uh, but on top of that, we love to enter our, our projects, our completed projects into design competitions, often ones which um, have cash prizes at the end. And um, again, it's another really, really interesting way to showcase our work. So one of the competitions which we've absolutely loved entering, uh, and myself in particular, has been the Design Sparks competition, which I entered mm -hmm. in 2020. Um, and there was prizes of up to £500 after that. And... Um, just another really good way to engage with students all over the UK and beyond. So it's mainly through our own fundraising, uh, through member donations at times, often um, it's graduates or sometimes our current members which give us donations. Um, but the really, really great thing is being able to showcase our work at the same time, um, compete with other people and potentially gain some uh, fundraising through that as well. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing because, you know, you do need funds to kind of buy some stuff and then only can you you know make things for people yeah. who really need them 
So when you are giving a hand to somebody, you know, as, as that's the main cause, the prosthetic hand, uh, is this person uh, giving some uh, kind of, in return, is this person paying? Or if no, this person no. is paying for the material or something, are absolutely free? Absolutely free. So the only thing that we require from our recipients in prosthetics is a series of pictures of different angles of their hand. That mm -hmm. way we can place those pictures on a scaling software and um, take a model or a general model of an enabled prosthetic hand and scale that accordingly. So we ask for no funds whatsoever. Um, wow. The only other thing we do ask for is their favourite colour. Um, so okay. we can print their prosthetic in that colour or a particular design. We want to actually expand um, some of our CAD modelling into, say, the palms or the finger grips, which... Uh, not only increase the function of them or, or improve the grip function, but at the same time have designs which are personalised to the recipient. Um, so we expect nothing from, from the recipient in terms of money, only their personal opinion for colour and um, a couple of photos of their hand. Wow. So one, one personal question. Uh, could you share any, any one of your favourite success story of giving a hand to somebody? Okay. Um, <laughs> so I believe... I wasn't involved in this project, but I believe that a few years ago, we donated a hand to a young girl in Pakistan, okay. who I believe had been injured as a result of, a, I believe it was a mine explosion, mm -hmm. and she'd lost um, a, a large majority of, of um, function in that hand. Mm -hmm. And I believe it was a couple of people in the society a few years ago who'd managed to engage with someone who knew this girl, this young girl, I believe she was only about 11 or 12 years old. Okay. And um, even though it was distanced, they managed to produce a prosthetic. They managed to communicate really well and, and gain in the pictures and the scaled uh, prosthetic hand out to her. And um, I, I, I think we did some pictures back, which I believe we promoted on our social media page. But seeing this young girl uh, holding up her hand and saying, you know, this is me, this is, this is me, I'm proud of this. And um, I've gained something back here, which is brilliant to me was a really, really nice feeling. And even though I came two years after that project had ended, I could still resonate with it. And wow. being in a recipient team to this day, mm -hmm. um, you still get that same really, really nice feeling, regardless of, of how the recipient's upper limb deficiency um, has affected them. It still gives you the same feeling of giving something back to them. Yeah. And being able exactly. to look them in the eye and do that is, is such a nice feeling. Definitely. So how did you manage to send that hand to Pakistan back? Because that's a lot of logistics which are involved in all of that. So how did you yep. manage that? Um, I, I guess it's mainly through Messenger. And um, obviously there's some funds involved in that in terms of sending it and sending yeah, it first class. Exactly. But we do absolutely prioritise mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, the way we send our prosthetics out, whether that's someone in Glasgow or, or beyond. Um, but I've actually never worked with anybody overseas. I'm working with someone in Glasgow just now, but just know that um, it's a case of communicating a lot on Messenger, whether that's the person directly um, just making sure they know exactly where we are and their, the, the progress of their prosthetic design. And that way, we organise all of the funds for mailing and let them know as soon as possible when our prosthetic hand is done or when they would like their prototype to be sent out, kind of like a postal service, but for prosthetics for us. And um, that way, we, we can get their hand out to them as soon as possible, whether that's for testing or whether that's their final hand to be used in the future. Wow. 
lovely <laughs> so happy to hear all this from you and it's so inspiring to see you and i think uh, listeners and especially students and there will be many should be really inspired to listen to the journey that you guys are going through and you will really definitely drive their attention in terms of you know that you can do a lot more other than the course book as you said you know you can go beyond that and so thank you for coming alistair today i totally enjoyed our conversation and i hope it it inspires more students to kind of think about these things it's a hand this time it could be some other part as well so Absolutely. yeah thank you very much richie it was my pleasure thank yeah, you thank you i have put in the work to make sure you thoroughly enjoy the show and find something new to learn see you next week with an amazing guest till then stay strong and keep learning and now to our sponsors This podcast is sponsored by Reconstructive Healthcare Solutions Private Limited, a startup on 3D printing consulting and services. If you are looking for a 3D printing service or consulting in India, connect with Reconstructive Healthcare Solutions Private Limited, incubated at Indian Institute of Technology, New Delhi. Connect for your first 30 minutes of consultation on any medical 3D printing project that you plan to start. The link to the 30 minute call is there in the description of the podcast thank you for listening to the surgeons in 3d printing podcast life is a work in progress what matters at the end is the journey